So what the goblet squat did is I'd been trying to teach people for years that you're, you are not on top of your legs. You are slung between your legs. And so I used to have, we had a couple of exercises. Potato sack squat was quite good. Um, but once I realized that if I just had the athlete target driving the knees out with the elbows, everything happened. And then having the load there gives a counterbalance. So that takes care of most of the balance issues. So the weight takes care of balance. The elbows pushing the knees out drops you, but slings you between your body. And voila, I looked around the room and boom, they all could do it. Welcome to the Movement Code Podcast, where we help you decode movement, health, and lifestyle so that you can expand and grow. Hey guys, my name is Antonio Gurley, your host for the Movement Code Podcast. I am a father, husband, business owner, rehab practitioner, and coach. Information overload has paralyzed many of us, and we are overwhelmed with good intentions and don't know what or who to trust. We aim to provide you clarity and confidence by bringing you expert advice for the everyday person. Thanks for spending some time with me today and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Movement Code Podcast. This is episode six, and today on the Movement Code Podcast, we have Coach Dan John joining us. Now, Dan John has been one of the most influential individuals in my practice as not only a clinician, oddly enough, but also my experience as a strength and conditioning coach and a personal trainer. And the reason is, which we'll get into in the episode, is simplicity. And as a newer coach and a newer clinician, being in the field for less than 10 years, and Dan's been in the field for over 40 years, there are common themes that often will come up. And Dan, as he indicates in the episode, is one of his one of the things that he's really good at is problem solving. And when you're looking at problem solving and you're addressing a problem and you're and you're presenting and indicating a solution, simplicity has to be at the forefront. If it's too complex, it's not going to make sense to other people. And that's what he's really good at as a coach. And that's what really drew my attention. First and foremost, as an athlete who was drawn towards what he was putting out. And second of all, as a coach and a clinician to help me better communicate with my clients and my patients about what we're actually trying to achieve. Now with that, we go over some of the influences that he's had aside from that in the strength and conditioning field such as the goblet squat and loaded carries so we'll dive into that a little bit but to be honest this was when i when i first decided to do the podcast number one on my list of people that i needed to have on the show was dan john just because it's just it's just made such a difference on how I view things, and I really really think that you guys who have enjoyed the show thus far will really take a lot from this because a lot of how I communicate, uh, much of how I present information, and really a lot of just the foundational knowledge that I have towards my approach for what we do is do for movement and coaching comes from Dan John. So. Without further ado, here is the episode, and I really hope you guys enjoy it because I had a blast talking with Dan, and I and I hope that we can bring him back uh, to the to the podcast soon. So enjoy, guys. All right, welcome to the Movement Code Podcast, folks. My name is Antonio Gurley. Uh, on our episode today, we have Coach Dan John, which I am super thrilled about. He has been uh, very influential on how. I train clients and treat my patients here in my office, so I am very excited for this episode. Excellent. Awesome. Well, um, so we're just going to jump right into it. For those who don't know who you are or have heard your name but maybe are not sure some of the accomplishments you've had, can you share a brief history of your involvement with the strength and conditioning community? Snapshot. Yeah, well, yeah, so I started lifting weights in 1965, uh, started coaching in 1979. 
and uh, just been around for what, 40, 41, 42 years. And uh, I like to pro solve problems. That's my favorite thing to do. Um, if something's not working, if there's an issue, I like to be the guy that fixes it. That's kind of my, that's kind of my thing. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Now, for those of you that want to um, uh, kind of follow along with some of the content that you're putting out, what are, where are the best resources where people can get in touch with you, follow along, websites, social media, et cetera? Well, by far now, it's, it's uh, one word, danjohnuniversity.com. And we have a special with the coronavirus that's going for, uh, uh, well, as long as the virus is going on, it's 29 bucks for three months. Uh, Workout generators, tons of articles, good stuff. And then if you just want to read my stuff, Dan at, it's pardon me, pardon me, I'm sorry, danjohn.net. Let me just make a little note here. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I've got family members downstairs yelling. So, um, yeah, so that, those are the two best. I've written, if you go to danjohn.net and decide to print everything off, it's going to be, about 3,000 pieces of paper. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it. And as far as purchasing your books, Amazon, or is that off your website? Well, you can go to On Target Publications, otppublications.com. That's the best thing about that is if you buy my book there, you get the hard copy, the e-file, and the audio. If you go to Amazon, you get the book when they feel like sending it to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amazon is hard to work with. A number of people are are going back to self-distribution because of the amount of uh, hassle uh, Amazon, the number of things. Amazon is brutal on authors and publishing houses, and uh, they're kind of the Walmart. Uh, they, they, they don't pay you ever what you, what you agreed to, or they change the rules, or they throw it up on Kindle for free for a week or something like that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. I can see that being such a hassle with such a big, big organization such as them. Mm -hmm. uh, well, awesome. So uh, I've, I have obviously purchased all the books and enjoy reading them. What I love about the books too is the breakdown and make, make trying to make things simpler. Right. And that, and that obviously seems to be a theme that, um, that you Let's push out. When you solve problems, generally Occam's razor shows up and you simplify things. Uh, you know, if when I look at people's workouts and you know they have this 45 minutes of that and 20 minutes of this, and, you know, they're in the gym three hours and, they, and it's like, what do you, go in and front squat, then do all this other stuff. Well, then I'll be tired, right. You got the workout <laughs> done. So, I, so the problems I tend to solve are time management issues, uh, movement issues a lot, and just, you know, um, and of course, and, and, and improving performance, which is my big thing, yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's so vital too. And uh, I mean, you, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead on some of my questions here, but I like how you mentioned that is you, had, you have brought up this, this um, concept of season of life training multiple times when yeah. things when things are tight enough to get a workout in, how do we maximize time for training as well as what I think is also important is, is warmups. You know, as we see, a lot of people are doing not only extensive training sessions, but their warm-up sessions take 30 minutes plus. Right. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, um, well, we, I actually wrote an article years ago called the warm-up is the workout. When I work with big teams, very often the warm-up is the thing designed to get them tired. We go through every movement I can think of, uh, push, pull, hinge, squat, loaded carry. We do goblet squats, we do push-ups, we do crawling. We'd, and by the time you get to the workout, which is just two lifts, people are like, yeah, boy. Because most people, for whatever reason, equate sweating to proper training. And we just can't seem to get any push on that at all. Uh, and, I, and I don't know how we're ever to get that uh, fixed. You know, I... I just don't know how we're ever going to get that fixed. People still are like, you know, if I'm exhausted, I'm going to, I'm going to get in better shape today. You know, uh, and it's just not true. Uh, that was, that's the big thing for hot yoga. You know, uh, I, I get into a big sweaty mess and I stretch for an hour and a half, but what did you, what did you do? I mean, are you better at moving couches? Well, I know the couch is too heavy. Well, then did you really progress? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, 
it's something you have to push in this field, uh, push against a lot. Um, I, I tend to, uh, obviously we do warm ups. obviously we do everything, but, uh, I try to teach my athletes, especially to be able to compete without a warm up. What happens if the bus breaks down? What happens if you, if you, if the, the Uber driver can't find the facility? What happens if, you know, you've got to be ready. Um, you know, if you're going to th throw the discus, the national champions start at eight in the morning and you've never trained at eight in the morning. Well, you're too stupid to be an elite athlete. You know, you've got to go, okay, here's the schedule at 8am or 9am. I need this much more work than I would at 3am or, and it's, and so I work on those things, but then, you know, when you talk about general population, I mean, your kid walks in and barfs on your chest in the middle of the night. I mean, how much do you warm up or do you just go take care of business? You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I get it. Some people say you'll never see a lion warming up. Okay. I, I get that. Uh, but you'll never see a lion eating at McDonald's either. Uh, so, but I'm not completely throw away all the long warmups, but in real, in real life, very often you don't have a chance to do all the stuff you want to do. Yeah, and then it's then it's triaging, right? It's problem solving. What's most important? Problem, problem solve, problem solve, problem. Any idiot can find problems. Yeah, and I think that's what I mean. Most a lot of the conversations. I literally got off the phone with a friend of mine yesterday, and he's he's been having a rough time with this whole quarantine situation. He suffers from a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Fortunately, he has a job still, but then he had a family member in the hospital that did not have COVID. It was something else, and so he's been rep replacing everything else he would have been doing with working out a week to two weeks in, he's now in almost debilitating back pain because he's just, he's doing core exercises every single day on top of, you know, an hour and a half to two hours of training. Yeah. It's funny how the body does that. huh? Yeah. And so the, the, I, the conversation was like, well, do less or don't do as much and see how you start to feel just so we can get back down and then actually have, then walk through like what actually needs to be done in order to reach your goals. Cause he's strictly just weight management. So he's thinking the more I do, I'm going to start losing just more and more and more weight. Well, because there's, there's a bit of false logic there that uh, you see now we know with research that doesn't happen. And uh, I always tell people, you know, if it took you 40, 40 years to put on 40 pounds, give me, give me 40 days to get it off. And well, what about, well, it's, I've been doing this for a week and I've all, yeah, it took you 40 years to get here. Uh, if you've been, you know, if you've been sitting in a chair for 30, 35 years and you got a big beer belly and you decide to work it all off, you know, your spine, which is basically like a, a sailing, a, you know, a sailing mast, all those got, those wires have been getting tugged on in one direction. If you suddenly start leaping in the other direction, you're going to have troubles and you just have to be, you have to step back sometimes and just keep reminding yourself on who you are. I'm 63. I have to think about my train a certain way. Uh, today we did a 2.5. Uh, well, no, today I did some Olympic lifting complexes, a 2.5 mile ruck. And then uh, Jeff and I did 100 swings. Compact, reasonable, uh, took about an hour and 10, 15 minutes to do everything. Uh, I squatted, I snatched, I s did swings, I did hills, I did. And yeah, it was a long workout for me. But I finished feeling better than when I started. And isn't that the goal? Mm -hmm. As opposed to most of us who want to be on the floor. Exactly. Vomiting and all the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lo loaded question, 40 years a plus in the field. What do you think has been one of your biggest contributions to the field? Is it this conversation we're having trying to get people to slow down? Is it something well, else that you've... Yeah, in, in exercise, I would say it's the goblet squat. I invented that and the suitcase carry. So anyone who's ever done those two, you're welcome. Uh, slosh pipes. I think I'm the person that really pushed loaded carries to the forefront. Uh, you know, farmer walks, bear hug carries, prowlers, sled pulls. There, I mean, people were doing them, but I'm the one that really, you know, I made this into a not a good idea, but a must. Uh, in the area of, I think I'm one of the first people to really explain epistemology in the world of weightlifting. Uh, that's how do you know what you know. I'm very proud of that. Uh, 
so I always try to have a systematic approach and a systemic approach to training. Um, those are those are the, would the, be the big ones. Uh, I think uh, I think some of the terms I use, like we have a phrase called bus bench and park bench workouts, that you'll see. Uh, uh, just real quick, folks, for those you don't know, um, a bench is a bench is a bench. When you take that bench and you put it in front of a bus stop, you expect something to happen, the bus to come by. When you take that same bench and put it in the middle of a park, you don't have any expectations. So I break workouts into two kinds. Your friend here who hurt, who's hurting himself trying to lose weight, uh, he's got a bus bench men mentality. He expects something to happen, hmm. which is great unless something doesn't happen. Well, the park bench mentality is, and that's mostly my training. Uh, if I'm not peaking for something, I'm park benching. I go in, I get it done. I don't, I really don't judge my workouts very much at all. I mean, I just go in, take care of business, smile a little bit, you know, Hey, that was great. And then, you know, roll, uh, uh, and then come back and do it again and come back and do it again and come back and do it again. I've been doing this since 1965. When you do it that many times, you end up being kind of scary, strong, and uh, able to pick up any couch in the world. Uh, it's just, but most people want, okay, I want to lose 40 pounds. And of course, the great question, and it's one of my books. Well, now what? You lost 40 pounds. Well, now what? Well, then, uh, I don't know. Thank you, because that's the key. That pause after now what is the key. You know, you get that goal, and then what? You know, we... And it's true in every aspect of life. I'm sure you have uh, listeners who are like, yeah, we, we did the whole ceremony. We spent all this money. We spent $100,000 on the wedding. And then we got in the car and we looked at each other and we said, uh, well, now what? <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> so I think you better answer the question of now what long before you get in that, uh, in, in that car on the way away from a, a wedding. Yeah. No, I think, that's, I think that's a really interesting point because so many of us, go in with the expectation of fitness exercise or training with you have to have an intentional goal. And it, and I think it's also maybe, maybe pushed on people in certain maybe societies or gyms or whatever to a certain degree. But there was a point where I was literally doing a lot of what you said is like, I don't have the time or the, the resources right now to really, or, or even any expectations to be hitting any specific goals. And I just work out. I just do the things that I enjoy doing. I hit some of the areas that I know I need a little bit of effort on, but I think it does get pushed on us a lot to have goals and expectations, especially when it comes to training rather than maybe changing the conversation to consistently getting in five, six days a week. Well, and you know, we're at dinner last night, and, you know, whenever my, my daughter is, both my daughters are very successful, they're, they're both, but they're also into fitness, and, they're into, and people, when we come around, people always say, was well, it okay to have dessert? It's like, you know, please stop with this, it's not that dessert, it's the 365 days of dessert, you know, as it's, you know, if you decide to, to go to a wedding and drink too much champagne, that's fine, just, you can't, you can't be in that mentality all the time. If, if at every meal you had protein, veggies, and water uh, two, three, four times a day, and you slept nine hours every night, and you trained not five or six, but two, three times a week, the bulk of people's dreams would come true. Mm -hmm. But they're always, you know, they wanna be on Kim Kardashian's liver cleanse or some other nonsense. You know, if I had a full-time person who put makeup on me and. Uh, uh, Photoshop my pictures, I would look a lot better, you know? Um, so you just got to get out of that celebrity mindset that just permeates American fitness. Yeah. It's in, I mean, that's the, do you, I mean, cause we're, we're, you're active on social media and I try to be active on social media. I think that's what's so tough is when you search any one thing, like if someone is honestly trying to like, I want to improve my squat, you see squats and you see, you know, anything tag hashtag with a squat, you get into this celebrity mindset of body image weights and, you know, accolades of whatever else you want to put upon it. It's, it's very challenging for anybody, let alone just the general population consumer to get that. Exactly. It can be very difficult, right? Um, so I, I love how you brought, I wanted to bring up what did, how did, I've seen videos of you describing this before, but how did you come across the goblet squat and what do you think are some of the 
the most beneficial aspects of the goblet saw that make it more of a necessity than something that someone should just tinker around with. Once again, it comes back, Antonio, to problem solving. Um, when I was first coaching, like at Utah State, and we'd get in a freshman thrower who, who did kind of a quarter squat or a half squat, that weird high school, where it's a good morning, bent, slightly bent knee thing. Well, I could work with that kid one-on-one, you know, for you know, just for the next four years, really. And and then if I only had two or three athletes, they would help each other. And, you know, when you're working like that, and that's easy. Well, when I started working again with large groups of teenagers, you know, uh, at one time out of class was 65, and you're by yourself, well, you can't, you can't walk them through it like that. And I watch coaches. In fact, it's funny. I watch films of a coach. He'll get there, and you got to make sure that and they'll do all these uh, things. You got to make sure. See, it feels good right here. You pull it down the rack like this. You step back. See what I'm doing? Step it back. And well, that's great. Except none of the athletes are moving. The coach is moving. No one of the athletes are moving. So what the goblet squat did is I've been trying to teach people for years that you're you are not on top of your legs you are slung between your legs. And so I used to have, we had a couple of exercises, potato sack squat was quite good. Um, but once I realized that if I just had the athlete target driving the knees out with the elbows, everything happened. And then having the load there gives a counterbalance. So that takes care of most of the balance issues. So the weight takes care of balance. The elbows pushing the knees out drops you, but slings you between your body. And voila, I looked around the room and boom, they all could do it. Uh, I did a cert one time when I was first learning kettlebells and they couldn't get one of America's greatest athletes to do a squat. And make it. So finally I said, can I try something? And I walked up and I said, just push your knees out with your elbow. Well, she dropped down into a perfect squat. And the one guy walks up and says, these aren't the droids we're looking for. What did you do? <laughs> and, and that, and then immediately after the, the, in the kettlebell certifications, they all teach the goblet squat. I'm the only participant, I think, ever to teach the movement, because then I then I taught the whole group how to squat. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, but it's just it's one of those things. That's 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 how you learn, man. Yeah. Um, so the suitcase carry, we didn't have enough equipment, so instead of doing farmer walks, we divvied it up and gave everybody one weight. Well. Stu McGill goes up to his lab and proves that that's one of the best things you've ever done. Interesting when people tell you they invented these movements. So I have the men's health articles on the wall in my gym when I, we published them. And they're like from 2002, 2003. And the one guy who claims the one lift uh, didn't even start in the industry until 2009. So seven years after I had an article in men's health, he invented goblet squat, which I've always thought was funny. Yeah. Yeah, got a couple years. Got a couple years where it's been doing it. Well, I I love the goblet squat. I see pr- primarily in my practice as a rehab practitioner uh, is lower back pain. That's honestly about ninety percent of my practice. And day one, anyone coming in with lower back pain, obviously depend on severity. Everyone's doing goblet squat, and it is that and the the doorknob squat where you're yes. where you're hanging back. It has just been a game changer for so many people. So Antonio, now we now with the TRXs and the suspension stuff and even rope, we now we call it water ski. So the doorknob squat's still great, but now we just water ski. And of course I also have a picture of me and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mr. Universe Dave Dave Draper. Mm-hmm. I've got a picture of the two of us doing the exercise where we cross our hands like this. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes how I teach it in big groups is we hold each other's hands, kind of a push me, pull you position, and we both counterbalance each other. And what's interesting about that is once you remove the load off of this, uh, are the people be able to see this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so once you remove the load off of this area of your body, many people squat naturally. It's sometimes the load that throws off the pattern. So, and it's weird because in some exercises, the load will actually fix the problem sometimes. So it is kind of a, that's, that's where kind of experience comes in in coaching. Uh, you know, people do, uh, there's a phrase we always use in, in, in weightlifting, you know, everything's easy until it's heavy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes heavy fixes issues and sometimes heavy destroys things. In the squat, heavy ruins things early. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that's what's, I mean, as you had mentioned, right, the load, not only the load in total, how it changes people's movements, but also the position. As we see clearly the goblet squat, the offset load fixes so many so many movement faults and issues. And that's, that's a lot of the conversation that we try to talk with people is, is the biomechanics of understanding lever arms and how to address or change your body's positioning to either maximize leverage and or making it beneficial to decrease leverage so you can get a response out of whatever body part you're trying to work with to try to get things to do what you want. Okay. Um, so you had mentioned it very briefly and kind of ran through it. I would love for you to go through the basic human movement patterns again, because I think that is one of the most beneficial things I've taken from you. And I know listeners would find that to be very, uh, very beneficial. Yeah, first off, uh, most of your listeners probably don't even know that before Arnold, the educational bodybuilder and Jane Fonda's go for the burn stuff, there was a whole system of weightlifting that had been around a long time and very successful. But once bodybuilding and kind of body composition took over the field, we moved into what I call Frankenstein's monster chain. Triceps day, rhomboid day, leg day, you know. So one of the things that really has been hard for me is to get American males especially to stop doing so much upper body work and, and realize the huge gap they had once you went past the navel. So push is separating from the environment. That can be your opponent. That can be the ground. That can be the barbell. Pull is embracing the environment. So that would be uh, like a bear hug is a pull. Uh, a row is a pull. A pull-up is a pull. Okay? Anytime you pull the environment towards you, that's the pull family. And uh, someone raise their hand and say, what about vertical and horizontal? I'll say, shut up. Because the last thing most American males especially need is more upper body work. And then there's the squat, which we went over. It's basically maximum hip bend and maximum knee bend. And that's different from the hinge because the, the hinge is maximum hip bend, but just minimal knee bend. And that's how you, for those who don't understand it, just go do a standing long jump for as far as you can. You'll probably hinge perfectly the very first time. And if you practice the standing long jump, it might be as good a training for the hinge as anything you'll ever do in your life. And then there's the family, what I call loaded carries. Now, when we, the work, you gotta, yeah. so there's carries and then there's loaded carries. Generally, Antonio, I know this becomes confusing. Um, we like to add things to every carry. So if you're doing farmer walks, we like a, a sled pull with it. If you're doing a farmer walk, wear a heavy backpack. If you're doing a bear hug carry with 100 pounds, drag a sled behind you. So that's the loaded carry. Um, and what that does is it really cuts back the amount of, it cuts back on the volume quite a bit. Mm. You might be able to take uh, two 50-pound dumbbells and go for a long walk with it. But if I add a sled to it, it changes the dynamic entirely. Mm -hmm. And loaded carries, and it's Funny, don't I have it? Yeah, I have it right here. It's weird. It's, I have it right here. Um, this is my 2003-2004 journal, which I, I think in so many ways was the most successful seasons of my life. Um, and this is when I started loaded carrying. And it's funny to, well, at the end of it, every time I write a journal, in the beginning of a journal, I always put in, you know, stuff I know. And at the back, I summarize um, <laughs> this one here. July 2003, things that work. I'm a pretty simple guy. And you'll see here, well, huh, remaining deadlift snatches, don't worry about uh, Sleds, uh, 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 a, uh, uh, a weighted hammer throw, uh, farmer bars. Sleds and farmer bars, are, and that's the lesson of this season. And it took me a few more years to organize it into the waiter walk, the rack walk, the suitcase carry, the farmer walk, the deadlift walk, the, you know, the loaded carries with sleds. It took a few years to get all that in. Um, but, uh, you know, just to organize it to explain to other people. Uh, intuitively, I'm, intuitively, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to brag, but I'm quite good at piecing things together. You know, okay, take this, you know, um, I'm more, I think that's interesting. I'm more of a chef when it comes to coaching than a cook. 
I'll take what's available and make a program from that. I don't show up and say, do you have the Nautilus Duo pullover machine? Uh, no. Oh, then I can't coach you. Uh, I'll walk in and you'll have, you know, a Clorox bottle and two bricks, and I'll put together a program from Clorox bottles and two bricks. And it'll be better than most of the crap you see online anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's a good it, – uh, so one of the things for the listeners, if you are training at home – uh, well, first, I'm mean, I hate to say it, but danjohnuniversity.com, the very first question we ask is, what equipment do you have? So from there, what equipment you have and what do you know, those are the two, those are the two big keys now. Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny, too, because you just run into this, is, is people wanting, like, they want more, they want more, they want more. I'm like, well, you only have so much equipment. Like, we, while while we don't need to add more exercises, you can create the variety of what you have by just doing these things and manipulating mathematics or whatever that is. But everyone is just like, well, when can we do this? Or when can we do this? It's like, we didn't even have equipment for it. What are we, what are we going to talk about that for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, now a lot of what we've discussed, right? The push pull hinge squat, carries while offloading or offsetting weights there there is an element of like anti-rotation and and, and controlling bodies so i have a whole family of things called anti-rotation lifts so it's the in the push it's the one-handed bench press and the one-handed press overhead in the pull it's the single arm trx row okay here's the interesting thing though as we've discovered in the area of legs and stuff it's Bear hug carries and bear crawls are better to, they show asymmetry in the squat better than anything I've ever seen. If I could do it all again, so you do a bear hug carry, you're, you're carrying 100 pounds in your arms like this, okay? And you walk for 10 feet, I say squat. You stop, you squat, and it's weird, you squat perfectly. You, absolutely, without, because you can't think. Mm-hmm. You have to just drop, and the load is perfect, you slide right through. Uh, when it comes to the area of the hinge for the uh, anti-rotation work, the exercises we use are hills and stairs because you can really see asymmetries uh, when someone's going up. And then, of course, in uh, anti-rotation, I'm sorry, anti-rotation. Anti-rotation work for, with the carries, the best one is the suitcase carry, the one-handed carry and smoke a suitcase. But, yeah, anti-rotation is what we want to do in the weight room. I say no rotation at all. You get plenty of it on the field. If you've got a golfer come in and you have them doing rotation work, I, 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 they have a bad back, so you haven't rotated. Well, it's golfing that's making doing more rotation. So I would have them do suitcase carries or planks or something like that. The stuff Stu McGill teaches, and then I would, you know, try to improve their form, you know, to see if we can build up that system and then improve the technique so it's not so in, in, injurious. Yeah, so I'm glad you, sorry, I'm glad you raised the anti-rotation, but I had to, as a thrower, I used to throw 10 to 15,000 times a day. The last thing I needed was more rotation work. I needed anti-rotation work. So we leave the rotation to the sport. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I think. And yeah. I mean, it's not a terrible idea as a discus thrower to throw left-handed sometimes, or if you're a golfer, go to the driving range and hit, you know, lefty. I don't think that's bad. In fact, I think you'll actually learn some interesting things. Uh, you'll learn, and especially out of uh, my friend Ben Tuma, he uh, he became a very good left-handed discus thrower because he thought it carried over better to right-handed thrower. Whatever he learned left-handed was instantly understood by the right, the correct, uh, the normal way. And I thought, hmm, that's a, isn't that funny how the, that's how the brain works. I don't know if you know about that bicycle. So there's some guy made a bicycle that when you turn it, it goes the other way. <laughs> I did so, not heard of that. And he will give you a hundred dollars if you can pedal it for 10 feet <laughs> because it is so, uh, you are so trained. Your balance system is so trained to counter, counter, counter. Now the funny thing is if he lets you ride it for a couple days and then gives you a normal bicycle, you forget how to ride a normal bike. And then they say, all of a sudden, the person will just sit there and go like this and go, oh, yeah, I remember. And it comes right back to them. So uh, that was a long deviation. No, I mean, I think, that, I think that's a really good point because it just shows us how adaptable the motor system is and how yes. the body is. 
And I think we get so segmented into certain things where we become Frankenstein, you know, workers in the gym and, and we're, we're forgetting the expression of how to actually learn new tasks and learn new motor skills. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now what I do, what I do like that is interesting too, right? Kind of maybe almost, uh, well, no, I think it has some validity to it. One thing that I always mention to a lot of my clients and patients is a squat is a squat, right? So we have squats. We can name off a handful of different squats, goblet squats, front squats, back squats, not many. squats. There's not many. There's not, there's not that many. Right. But I always try to tell people is like, if you're doing a squat, your squat should look very similar. So while we have this variation of these different lifts, the, the baseline programming, you, hopefully they'll be able to understand and pull out the nuances of how to make each lift successful i see so many people they like if i say okay do a body weight squat they set up a certain way and then we say okay you're going to do a front squat and their setup looks completely different for whatever reason and it might be highlighting some of the asymmetries or or uh, deficiencies they have but trying to get them to understand like while this these are different names they're all a squat so we'll try to pull together yeah and i think that's why in, in this year's lecture i've been giving one of the things i've been focusing on is simplifying cues uh okay real quick a cue is something you say during a movement like sometimes it's just go 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 that's a cue or stay tall stay tall is a cue squeeze is a cue a correction is what you do between sets or on the sidelines in a game that's when you correct i think bad coaches correct when they should be cueing uh and um one thing I, I want to make sure, folks, uh, we do have something called the sixth movement, and that's everything that's not one of the first five. So I just wanted to make sure that can be, for us, it's groundwork or climbing or monkey bars or climbing trees or anything. So, sorry, Antonio, I wanted to make sure I didn't. No, it's great. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's good. Yeah. Understanding, uh, the, the difference between cueing and correction is, 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 is vital. And when I first heard that, I knew I was definitely correcting during and not between. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, you, it's got, and the phrases have to be the same every time. I always say, for example, squeeze the knees. I always say Utah birth control, squeeze your knees together. And everyone laughs, <laughs> but over time they, so, uh, when you're doing any kind of this thing here, you try to squish the, you got grapes in your armpits, squeeze those grapes. So squeeze the grapes is a phrase I'll yell, I can yell out 30 times in a workout and people know exactly what the cue is. Mm -hmm. So cues can never, they can't be fancy or complicated. They have to be very, uh, uh, and they have to be repeated. Repetition, 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 yeah. And yeah, don't keep that. coming up with new ones. Don't try to be clever. Well, um, I have exhausted the questions that I wanted to ask you. Is there anything, actually I have one on top of my head. Is there anything recently that you've, that you've uh, kind of come across or discovered in your own training? I, I know you've been doing this obviously for years, nothing that's been yeah. uh, totally novel or new, but anything recently you're kind of playing around with? If the people type in 30, 30 for 30, uh, they can follow along my workouts on YouTube. Uh, Dan John 3030 or something like that. But um, it's 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off for 30 minutes. And so uh, you, they, they'll be able to see us, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So like this weekend on Saturday, we did the long – so we did five spine stretches. I'm just – here's – okay. Long stretch, left lat stretch, right lat stretch, stony stretch, left knee down, stony stretch, right knee down. But then – a hip hinge, so hip thrust, Bulgarian goat bike swing, or kettlebell swing. So 30 seconds of the long stretch. Rest 30 seconds, 30 seconds of swings. Rest 30 seconds, lat stretch. Rest 30 seconds, swings. Rest 30 seconds, right lat stretch. Rest 30 seconds, swings. Rest 30 seconds, stony stretch left. Rest 30 seconds, swings. Rest 30 seconds. Stony stretch right, swings, repeat three, three times. Now, doesn't sound like much. You go through that three times. I got about 340 swings in that workout, plus five spine stretching exercises. 30 seconds of a spine stretch is long, 
long time, man. So the 30-30 for 30 is the protocol. I use that with big groups, uh, easy to teach. Once you do the exercise once, you're just going to keep doing it. Uh, you could mix it. You could also do, you could do, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, so if it doesn't work, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, you could do push-ups. You could do um, glute bridge. You could do uh, goblet squat. You could do march in place, left hand, march in place, right hand, with just hip thrusts in between each one of them on the ground. Uh, and if all you have is a Clorox bottle or a brick or a heavy backpack, you can do the, every exercise there. So I like that because it's really good for training at home. Uh, the 30-second rests uh, actually help, help you understand Einstein better because in the beginning, 30 seconds is a long time. In the last five or six minutes, it's like, are you kidding me? Time to go again? But what's, you know, it's so, but as a coach, what I would do, I would cue you during the movement and then I would correct you during the 30-second rest periods. Cue correct, cue correct, cue correct, cue correct. And uh, it, it actually, I think it improves your coaching uh, to do workouts like this. Yeah. Cause it uh, teaches you, no, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was going to say, and as a, as a, I would say as an athlete, this is also an opportunity for people to, this is 30 seconds of audit. What felt good in that last movement? How did my, what performed well, what didn't perform well? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about my websites. Uh, I've been online since 98. I've been teaching online with Columbia College, Missouri since 98. So I feel like I, I understand uh, online education. Uh, the biggest thing people don't understand, and I'm going to say it for the thousandth time, if you teach online, you are asynchronic. Uh, there are 24 noons on the planet Earth. So when I say I'm going to do a workout at noon, what does that mean to somebody in Kuwait or Korea, or New Jersey. That's not new. And so one of the things you have to learn on online education is there, the, right now, you and I are talking, this is now. Uh, somebody might be listening to this on their way to work in a few days. That's there now. That's what online education is all about. Now is when you pick it up and listen. So it's, it's been, so my ability to, to understand that I think has really helped me share proper training during this time of COVID-19. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm already hearing of universities for at least the fall semester, as well as some putting out for 2021 that they are going fully online just due to not knowing what's going on. What are going to be, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the biggest, I guess, um, we know advantages for online training, but what are some of the, the, the tougher aspects to online training that sure. individuals would need Ready? to take into consideration? What do you mean by that? Good question. Um, so for no, instance, no, no. that's it right there. Yeah. So you, you email me say, and I say, you say, Dan, give me a program. I, I email you back. I want you to do Nautilus double pullovers. I want you to do uh, snatch five sets of two. I want you to do leg extension. I want you to leg curl. I want you to do uh, Bulgarian uh, goat bag swings followed by bear hub carries. I don't know what any of those things are. Yeah. Okay, well, just don't you have any machines in your, in your home? No. You don't have any kettlebells? No. You don't have a leg curl machine? No. So the, the number one lesson you learn is you got to meet the client where the client is. Question number one, what equipment do you have? Yep. And question number two, do you know how to do this exercise? Now, we have little demonstrations on our website that show you, and then much deeper ones on YouTube. But even after watching those two demonstrations, some people don't get it. So then you have to be able to instantly ratchet it up more complicated or simplify it down. So before you even get started, I hope you understand what I just said. The level of pre-work you need to do to coach online is massive. But once it's set, you if you go to my website, oh, and if you type, okay, folks, go to my website, type in Corona, uh, and you get a $29 membership for three months. During this Corona thing, Think, you know, it's, um, we're basically giving it to a cost. I'm sorry, it's $9 a month, but I can't, I can't go <laughs> cheaper. Uh, but the very first question that the generator is going to ask you, what equipment you have? And you just, I got this, this, and this, or I have nothing. And the next question, and then it spits out the workout, and you'll look at the exercises. Then you have to be able to, you know, ratchet them up and, in, in, you know, in complexity, uh, uh, up and down. 
uh, I mean, that's before you could even start. I watch people doing these things on Instagram and I'm, okay, follow me. Well, you can't follow someone on Instagram. I mean, okay, okay, you're, say follow me for me, Antonio. Follow me. Okay, is kettlebell, okay. By the time I get in the kettlebell in my hand, you're already at the third exercise. And then you missed it. Yeah. So it has to be, it's funny because I mentioned Einstein with time, and then I mentioned asynchronic. But time is the hardest thing for people to understand when it comes to the online platform. Uh, Your experience is now. But all the work we did was two, three, five years ago, 10 years ago in some cases. That stuff was done, heck, and some of the, some of the materials I have on my sites that are workouts, these were made, well, one or two of them in the 80s. A few of them were in the 90s. These are workouts that have stood the test of time, but now they're changed into a format that works online. Mm-hmm. So the workout, I mean, when someone has a better idea, I want to slap them because it's like, I have done this workout with thousands of people in a hundred different settings. Trust me, try it, try it, try it the way we did it a million times before you invent something better. Well, and again, it goes back to our need of just wanting more to make it more complex thinking that's going to give us more. Right. Right. Now, um, uh, I want to, what I always try to do is leave our listeners with, with a challenge something um, that we want to try to encourage them to do for one week. We know habits take a lot longer and there's obviously a ton of different ways that we could go with this, drink more water, sleep more, whatever that might be. But with the things that we have discussed today, is there any any sort of challenge? Uh, actually, let's, uh, let's, we'll do this. We'll, do, we'll make it a, we'll make it a three month challenge. Follow, go, go COVID. Is it COVID? What was it? Corona. Was that Corona. Was Corona. Well, that- you make that challenge and I'll have another one too. All right, cool. Well, what's your, what are we going to do for your challenge? Before you write something online, before you say something, I want you to take one small breath in and remind yourself if you're saying this out of kindness. During COVID-19, during our locked in place, shelter in place, try to put kindness in the forefront. Try your best to be kind. Uh, you're Try to be kind to your spouse. Try to be kind to your kids. Try to be kind to your mother, your father. Um, er, er, Everybody's got their little issues. Try to be kind. I love it. Perfect. We're going to leave it with that. Kindness goes a long way, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, let's do this again soon. All right, guys, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of the Movement Code Podcast. As I indicated in the introduction of the podcast, Dan having such a wealth of knowledge, not only in the strength and conditioning community, but as his role as an educator and a religious education studies teacher, his knowledge goes far and well beyond just strength and conditioning. And that is honestly what draws me to Dan and his work. And I always joke, we call it Dan Johnisms, his his wealth of knowledge for just having one-liners or one-words of making great impact just really resonates and, again, comes down to simplicity. With that, recap your weekly challenge to start off, your weekly challenge, kindness, whatever you're doing, your interactions with your family, your interactions with the mailman, your interactions on the road, your interactions with the store clerk, your interactions online, whatever it is, put kindness at the forefront, okay? Especially in this time that we're in right now, everyone is super stressed, regardless if you're stressed about COVID, but everyone's situation has changed, so we want kindness to be at the forefront. Now, I hope that you have also taken some of the gems that were in this episode um, to heart and that you can practice those in your daily movement. For instance, sweating does not equal a workout, right? Super simple, right? We, we confuse doing more with the expectation of trying to get more. Sometimes less is more, okay? We want to fi- finish feeling better than when we started, 
goblet squats. We should be doing them. If you if 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 you haven't been in my office or you haven't worked with me, uh, then you need to be doing goblet squats. If you have been, you know how much I love goblet squats. And as always, loaded carries. Okay. Park bench versus bunch bus bench workouts. Expectations and goals versus getting in and taking care of business. This is super vital and important because I think we oftentimes feel bad about not maybe having goals, specific goals. It's okay to just get in and punch the clock and do work knowing that the goal is the long term. The long term of being healthier, being stronger, and living a good life. Eat protein, eat veggies, drink water. Okay? Basic movement patterns. This is one of the things that I wanted to, that I definitely wanted to come out of our conversation today so that you guys could hear it from Dan himself. Basic movement patterns push, pull, hinge, squat, carry, and then everything else. And then we add in there some of the benefit, especially for those athletes, are anti-rotation exercises. And Dan gave a few of those that he loves to do in the episode. So be sure to um, scroll back through the episode and catch those. And then last but not least, if you go to danjohnuniversity.com and use code Corona. For the, for the time that this coronavirus is going on, you get a discount on the workouts that are put out from his website there. And now the best thing about this website is it gives you workouts based on where you're at and also the equipment you have. It's not beneficial if you're doing a program asking for heavy barbell squats where you need a barbell, a lot of weights, and a rack if you don't have that. So you indicate, first and foremost, what equipment you have access to. Perfect. That's where you start. So for anyone who does not have a workout that they're currently doing and or they want to transition into something else, this is a perfect opportunity. Once again, danjohnuniversity.com. Use the code CORONA for a discount on, I believe, the first three months. So um, once again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is by far going to go down for one of my top episodes just because it is always a pleasure chatting with Dan and hearing from him firsthand, uh, his knowledge and his expertise. If you have not already subscribe to the podcast, you can get these weekly episodes, um, uh, uh, popping into your, your, your feed already. And we would love to hear feedback from you, whether that is directly to us on Instagram or Facebook. And we would love a review. If you can, if you could go on and share a review with us, give us a five star. That would be very beneficial for us as far as rankings and, and just feeds. And then if you have a friend who you know would find some value in this information, share it along with them. Super easy. The way that the way that technology is set nowadays, you can literally share this episode with someone with, within two clicks. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. We appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten thus far with the first few episodes that we've done. And we're looking forward to more and more conversations that will benefit you guys. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next week.